This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! yourself yeah i'm tired yeah hey so tired what's up jim hey how's it going justin hey to what's happening guys hey what's going on jim <laughs> good to see you guys good to good to hear you sir <laughs> awesome. would you go for dinner jim Oh, we have a local uh, pizza place here a couple blocks down. It's called Sam's Pizza, and uh, it is one of the, the local staples. So we picked up some pizza and wings and watched some good football, and ah, it was pretty good. Man, we needed um, we needed uh, Iowa to beat Wisconsin today. Oh, we were rooting for him, but I don't think we're going to get that. But, but did you see Auburn is uh, yeah. beating Georgia? So that's yeah, that'll be interesting. Just and there's another that... game too that was like that we needed also. Uh, yeah. Clemson is close. Clemson is like within a touchdown of losing. Like they're winning, but like oh yeah, last I saw it was like seventeen seven or something. So is Florida State coming back? I think it's seventeen fourteen. Oh wow, excellent. Yeah, let me check. Yeah, oh, love... we're, we're we're getting there. Love to see Clemson lose. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, they man. beat our ass last year. Yeah, and the year before that, and that's Clemson's mm. what what got Woody Hayes fired. <laughs> no, Woody Hayes got Woody Hayes fired. Yeah, well, yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woody Hayes, uh, Justin, uh, Woody Hayes was a uh, one of the best coaches in Ohio State history and uh yeah Woody Hayes was was very was a very aggressive a very impulsive coach and he stepped out on the field and decked a, a Clemson player oh yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah I think it was after it. interception or something wasn't it and he just yeah. decked the kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you're right you're absolutely right Woody Hayes Woody Hayes himself <laughs> right I think it's a uh, uh, just to get our sports recap going, it's Clemson 24, FSU 14, ah, so three minutes in the fourth. Ten-minute uh, or ten-point gap. Man, dang it. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. No. Sorry, uh, Justin. <laughs> Don't be. K-State's losing to West Virginia right now with 12 minutes to go. It's 28-23. So that's what I'm, you know, I'm paying attention to it, too. That's a game, though. <laughs> 
That's only yeah. five points, man. With 11, 11 10 left, that's the game. Yeah, exactly. West Virginia's 23rd, so this would knock them out of the top 25. So. Man, we don't care about West Virginia. Nope. <laughs> so what episode are we on? Now, this is episode eight. Eight. Damn. A whole oh. eight. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing the intro this week? Man, you rocked it last time. Come on. Yeah, do it, Juan. Off the it's cuff. You. Something oh, yeah. else. What is this, episode eight? Yes, sir. All right. You got you to gotta introduce yourself, so, so I'm going to do the intro. All right. All right, everybody. This is Collecting Valiant, episode eight. The glorious, the well received mini download <laughs> podcast for <laughs> everything you want to know and don't want to know about collecting anything and everything Valiant. It's the day I have my immortal brothers with me. My immortal brothers, starting with Justin. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Dawn. <laughs> And we have our brother Jim. <laughs> hey, Dewan, Justin. Hey, and I'm Dewan, and I'm the loser today. <laughs> so you, drew, you drew the short straw and had to do the intro. Hell yeah, again. That's what happens when you're a loser. Everybody, we're welcome. Welcome <laughs> you for being here again. Uh, I know we don't record a lot, but we're recording more often now. Uh, Thank you for sending us shit mail. Um, it motivates <laughs> us to record again <laughs> and more and more and more. Um, we're happy to be here. And if you're one of the only five people that listen to us, thank you. Um, uh, God bless you for listening to this piece of crap show that we have. But <laughs> we love it. So, hell, the Buckeyes won. Who cares, right? <laughs> <laughs> K-State's about to win, right? Justin, K-State's going to win. We're happy. It's Saturday. I don't know what damn date is it. It's the 11th of November, so hopefully this will come out before December. There you go. There yeah, you go. Veterans Day. It's Singles Day, too. It's 1111, so China's spending $25 billion today. They got a lot of single people in China with a lot yeah. of money, I guess. Damn it. Oh, I didn't think about that. And we need to thank our veterans, right? Yes. Thank our veterans. Right. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for allowing us to collect any and everything valiant. Thank you for sacrificing yourself and families for this great country. No matter what you think about the current situation, we live in a beautiful, beautiful country like no other. And we could not have it without you. So thank you. Thank you very much. Here, here. I couldn't, uh, couldn't say it any better. And, uh, I'm not sure how many Marines listen to us, but yesterday was the Marine Corps birthday. Happy 242nd birthday to the Marine Corps. My brother's a former Marine, so. All right. Here, here. All right. So, Valiant Comics, first topic. Um, this week we saw Harbinger Renegade Zero come out, and the 1 in 25 cover, the bin, I think it's. Tiesma, T-I-E-S-M-A. He had the high ratio variant of the 1 in 25. And this thing, we've got some sales on eBay of it. 
We've got a buy it now offer for roughly 79 bucks from a UK um, dealer. We've got a $50 buy it now that sold in the US, $23, that was the first one. And that's all the sales and there's only one currently on eBay for sale. Thoughts on this guy? Was... <sighs> it, it irks me to see a, a one in 20 so expensive. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Well, and the one um, that's on eBay right now is a true auction. Four days left, mm-hmm. only five bucks. But, um, and I know Jim's going to say this, but Comic Book Invest, CBS size website for the day after Wednesday for 11, 10, 17. The hot book on the list is this one in 25 that's selling for 50 bucks. And, they said, so just as a rule, if you see a 1 in 25 or higher ratio valiant book, buy it. There you go. That I says it all. I disagree, I disagree with that. I'd say 1 in 50, get it, or 1 in 40. But 1 in 25, 1 in 20, and we talked about this before. I mean, the, the amount of variance out there for valiant books is very low. I mean, it's low. It's it's attractable, or it's an attractive number for for speculators or collectors. But uh, a one in twenty and one twenty five. I mean, it's still obtainable. I mean, a shop. I mean, not every shop is getting one in twenty uh, twenty five Harbinger Zero books, but it's still the signature title, or one of the signature titles for Valiant. I mean. I, I, it's not even, even my favorite heart, cover of of those books either. It, it's not. It's not sexy. It's the not Robert Della Tora cover is so much yeah. better. It's it's gritty. It's dark. And I wish they would have chosen that for the one in twenty five. But that's just the cover B. But a one in twenty five, I could see a one in fifty. But a one in twenty five that. Agreed. I mean, if there's not many out there, that's okay. But then, you know, we still don't know how many Mellaway Harbinger Zero books are out there, right? The ones that are coming from Valiant? No, we don't. But, I mean, if you look at the sales for issue four, that would give us a pretty good idea because the sales for issue four were down around like 6,000. I'm pulling that up now. Yeah. So, because. That's a know, good question. Um, issue four, I think that was about February of this year. But, you know, so people, if they were buying the issue for the coupon to cut out and send in, um, they would have done that all the way through. It would have been solid sales for Renegade one through four, but it wasn't. It it dropped off. It had a natural attrition. Mm -hmm. But how many people did it? I mean, like, how many Valiant fans are out there and how many people actually sent in coupons and damaged their books? Like, so we all talked about this before in previous issue uh, uh, episodes, right? We sent in pretty much, what, four sets of coupons? Yeah, I did. Yeah, me too. Okay, so we can't say... It might be... I think maybe half the print run. Maybe I would say so. And so the print run for 
Harbinger Renegade 4, and it had returnability, so if the shops ordered it, they could have taken the coupons out, stripped the covers, and sent it back. But anyway, for issue 4, the print run was three copies shy of 7,500. So, you know, you're talking 3,750, if we're doing just in half. So 3750 would be half that. That's how many copies, you know. So they would probably round it up to, you know, like 4000 to give away it and and have in, on hand in case people got some damaged books. But that's a lower print run than the Harbinger Zero Pink from 91. So But those Harbinger back in the 90s, those print runs were crazy. Well, yeah. But that book still I mean, sells have, for over a hundred bucks all day. Yeah, but you look at and it, this might be a segue into what we want to talk about today is the value variants are going for huge numbers. And I know I talked about this before that maybe value variants were going for less than what they should be, but now they're going really high. Like, really, really high for books. Like, we were talking about 1 in 20, 1 in 25 variants. Wow. I mean... But, you know, four episodes ago, we were talking about a 1 in 20 variant that we were watching the sales of, you know, 40 bucks and 50 bucks. And all of a sudden, other people started catching on. You know, it was Harbinger number 3, the 1 in 20 Patrick Zerker cover and uh, the first appearance of Livewire. So, and that was a one in 20 and that, you know, some of the sales have been upwards of 175, 200 bucks in the last couple of months. Well, with that, you could say you still have the time variant with it, right? So that book came out in what? Four or five years ago? Yeah, it came out five years ago. It was the fourth month, so you're talking October of 2012. I could justify that in the sense to pay a decent price for it, not a premium price, but a decent price because who knew how – Who at that time, how much was Valiant really regulating their variants like – were people just throwing them away, using them as toilet paper? Who knew how many, you know, how many stores were really buying that many Valiant books at that time? There's enough, you know, invariables there, or variables, I mean, to where, maybe. But these new books, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have a question about them. And, it, and I wanted to say this. It's one thing to set the market, right? A new book comes out, you know, you, you got a con exclusive or, you know, we, we talked about the Divinity 1 and 40 or the Eternity, I apologize, the Eternity 1 and 40. It's one thing to put your book out first and set the market, right? And, or try to gauge the market and see what people would buy for it. And then you get a feel like if your book sells for a lot, like like the first Exo Metal book, right? It didn't, didn't it go pretty high? Uh, the, the very first my, one, I think, was, was over it? 900. Right. Okay. So it's, it set the high bar. And then everybody flooded their books on the market, and we kind of got a gauge of where the book was. Okay. So good for that first person. But then the price settled, and um, 
that's okay, you know, good for that first person. But these other variants, I mean, okay, it's understandable for one to go for two hundred bucks, and then, but for the rest of them to go that high, I, I don't know. And then, and then for these older books to kick up that high, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the stock market's going out of control in a sense to well, me. And, to me personally. And so here's another new book, and you said it, Eternity Number 1, um, 1 in 40, the Massafera cover, cover E, one sold yesterday at um, 9.23 p.m., so not even 24 hours ago, with a buy it now of two ninety nine, not a best offer. Hmm. So this book sold a day ago for 300 bucks. And then there was an auction that ended November first, so eleven days ago, for two forty six fifty. And another auction that ended that same day, same seller, for one fifty seven fifty. And so, even though those were auctions, people are willing to pay even a higher premium for this book as of yesterday. And those are the wow. sold listings. That's not best offer. That those are bona fide sold sales. It's better why? than stock. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, but why? I mean, and that's the question everybody has always asked us. Why? You know, yeah. we know the print run is low. We know that. Like, so when we get to a point, and this is my theory, when we ever get to movies or, you know, when, when all the numbers really settle down and you find out really how many of those books are out there and how many of them are in really good condition. And that's the key, too. Like, I mean, if you have a low print run and then how many of those are actually like 9.8, 9.6 condition, how many books are out there? Then you get a true value. So it's to me, it's pure speculation. And for people to pay that amount of money, that's some. do they know something we don't know? Or is this the market dictating that right now? Jim, your thoughts? I, I think it could be both. Um, and, and I think it, it it's part of the fear that, well, maybe 299 is the cheapest we'll see. <laughs> um, and and maybe maybe there is something. Maybe, uh, maybe there is something that uh, – maybe there's some news out there. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I, I continue like you guys. I'm just amazed at, at these sales. Um it seems like there are more, definitely more eyes on uh, on Valiant collectors and uh, and, and Valiant books. Um, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I think that there's a large segment of, of collectors that that focus on on DC and Marvel, and Valiant was the uh, uh, the the book or the 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 group of, of books that were always kind of uh, maybe ignored, and now that it's catching attention of how much people are dumping into uh, into Valiant, especially the the large Valiant uh, variants, that you know it's another train to jump on, yeah. and it, it's another way that uh, people with uh, with quick fingers who are able to snatch these books up uh, cheaply and uh, turn around and knowing that there are the the rabid valiant fans like us that will will buy them uh it's it's the ability to turn a quick profit and i for me it was savage one 
Savage One is when this first hit, where I, I don't remember seeing a Valiant variant hit uh, uh, with just such uh, ferocity, where people were turning around and selling a, a Savage One uh, one in fifty for what was it eight nine hundred dollars? That was that's mad money. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that very first one it did. It was an auction and it sold for like eight hundred bucks. It was the first one anybody had seen. Yeah. But even Divinity 1, 1 in 40, by the time issue yes. 3 came out, we saw that um, La Rosa cover topping out at two, 300 bucks easy because Valiant said, this was our lowest print run book that we put out. And then boom, yeah. you, you can't touch it. It's, you know, there's, there are no cheap copies out there and there might be one at any time on eBay and it's always the market value. So are are we in an era just with Valiant Books where we're in a sweet spot where it's like the 90s all over again? Do you guys get that feeling? Oh, God, look at the cover coming out next yeah. month for Quantum and Woody. It's got like <laughs> 18 shitty cover embellishments on it. Yeah. It's yeah. a shrine to the 90s. It's... It represents yes. everything that's bad for the '90s, and it's it's done intentionally to poke fun at uh, at how extravagant and how uh, ridiculous the '90s were. I, th- this is it's a cyclical uh, item and topic of are we back to the '90s? Uh, and there are reasons that it is like the '90s with all the special covers and all the variants, all the people dumping in money and and turning around. I mean, remember when when Harbinger One? We're talking back in the '90s when Harbinger One came out. It went from what a 195 was it 195 cover or 295 195 195 and people were turning around and selling them for 100 bucks this was back in the 90s i think that was the first time mm-hmm. that we ever saw a comic book speculation to that level and and you know, multiply that by by various other titles and all the other you know death of superman and it is the the same as the 90s but I think there are other reasons why it's not going to turn out or implode the same way as the 90s. And I think that's because of the, the large film presence. Like like Marvel, I don't see Marvel crashing uh, like it did in the 90s. Um, I, I, I would say that the, the quality of books has dropped and the uh, – <laughs> uh, the the amount of special covers like the lenticular covers has inversely proportional uh, proportionally <laughs> uh, changed. And and here we are seeing it with Valiant. Uh, they're bringing out the, uh, the the brushed metal covers, the quantum and woody crazy, uh, super unique uh, uh, <laughs> uh, variants that are coming out. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. It, I, I I would say that my collecting has has changed dramatically because there are certain tactics and certain things that uh, I'm becoming irritated with. So uh, to coin a phrase, I'm I'm kind of voting with my dollar and I'm just not going to buy certain things. And hopefully with the drop in sales, then uh, the people who are doing the analytics will realize that, Hey, that's not going to sell or or people are burnt out by that. And uh, maybe we'll get back to something that, uh, um, is a little fairer in the uh, in the collector's pocket, I guess. Sorry for my rant. Oh, no. it had to, it had to be point. said. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to have a rare book, and it's one thing to speculate on the book, and we all speculate on books. 
and and there's a great risk with that, right? And what people need to know with Valiant Books, and, and this is just me, the print run is going to be low compared to to the major comic book companies. So, with that being said, I said it before, you know, if you get a a, a nine point eight or more, you know. You got a quality book, and it should have some value to it um, based off of demand. And who sets the demand? The demand is us, valiant collectors, right? Or people who want to turn a profit. And this That's is not right. the 90s, guys. Like, you're not going to put your retirement into valiant books and make a profit. So, people who are selling these books, in my opinion, are just they're, they're, they're trying to get what they can get out the book. And I've seen it, I've been to conventions. Where people will get a book and they know they're first to market and they're going to put a nice dollar price on it unless they know you, right? They're going to put $100, $150, $200 out there because they know there's only 250 or there's only 100 or there's only 25 that haven't been signed of this book. And they know it could command that price. And then you got old geezers like us that sit in our basements that didn't pay the money to go to that con and we want that book for our collection to your point jim right we com- we're completionists so we'll pay an extra coin for it but my point in this is where is the 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 mendoza line from paying an extra extra bit of money to get the book and being gouged for the book i mean yeah. i mean you listen to paul like i mean like it or not, what Paul says, like Paul is like on the cheap end. Like these are comics. I mean, you could get a comic less than book value. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time. We're talking variants and hard to find books here, so we're in a different range here. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't get a variant at a fair price. I'm not talking at a discount or you're taking advantage of the seller, but I mean a fair price because that person still has to find a buyer that they could move that book, right? They're putting it online. To me, it's just pure economics. They're putting it online, and for $300 or $200, they still have to find a buyer. How many assholes like us are going to buy it? Maybe 10, 20. Does it say 20? Maybe? Maybe? Maybe, if that, 10. Maybe five jerks that are going to buy for that price just because we have problems and we may need medication. (laughs) (laughs) We self-medicate with high ratio variants. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So so maybe 20 is very high. So maybe let's say 12 of us crazy folks out here that will scrape and scrimp to get these books but when you're trying to come at me and say a 1 in 25 variant is going to be worth $200 I'm not buying that I am just not buying it until you tell me yep. why it that 1 in 25 is like that because a comic shop can order 25 books easy and get that variant and sell it to you for $10 15 max and you can get that book. And we've seen it. These are comic books, like Paul says. These are comic books. Now, I can tell you that 1 in 50 and 1 in 40 for Valiant books, that's a risk. That's a that's a gamble comic shops have to take. 
because they don't know if they can turn those books over. You know, and maybe they can turn that one to 50 over to make up the difference from buying those 50 books. But damn it. I mean, mm, I don't know. Well, let me play devil's advocate here. So, yeah, let me play the devil's advocate. So Marvel is getting ready to do legacy and renumber everything again and take it back. Ah. You know, take it back, they say. But Thor is still not Thor. Tony Stark is still not Iron Man. So you've got these baby boomers, these collectors out there that have been reading comic books since the 80s, since the 70s, since the 90s. They have disposable income. They've got money to spend on comics. And then you have a website like comicbookinvest.com that, you know, some of the people despise Valiant and they say it all the time. And then there's others that note this. So that's another community of over 4,000 people on that Google Plus page that are looking to buy comic books that are ratio variants. And so they, you know, they're hearing, hey, this cover, blah, blah, blah. There was only this many of this. So then they go out and they start buying them. So it's not only just a Valiant community. It is a, it's the comic community as a whole. And so you've got people that are upset with the renumbering and relaunching of books that have been around for 50 years that are jaded. And so they're like, all right, I remember Valiant from the 90s. Oh, wow. They've got some 25s, some 50s, some, you know, one in 40 variants. And so they're, it's grown because people are tired of the big two. So you're saying people are like trying to corner the market, like, like this is a new market where we have new money coming in. So like our old fogies who have been faithfully putting our money in, chasing these books. So you're saying the big dollars are coming in, which we talked about in previous episodes, right? Right. But the, but the thing is we're not seeing the print runs go up because people aren't buying the A and B covers. They're not subscribing to these books every month. They're looking at what's coming out on in the previews and the solicitations, and they're like, okay, I want that one in 40. I want that one in 25. So we're not seeing the, the sales numbers go up because they're not adding, you know, 3,000 more people to the mix to, you know, to buy the books to read. There's 3,000 more people added to the mix for the speculation, the investment of the high ratio variants. Well, I agree. I mean, that's what's driving the price I, up. Agreed. Yeah, if I was them, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want value to increase the print run. I'd sit back and say, if I have the forty, we talked about this, Jim. What is it? Forty, fifty, sixty bucks sometimes on DCBS to get a high ratio variant. Yeah. Right. So we talked about what did we talk, talk about? What we said January is going to cost you four ten to get every high ratio variant that Valiant puts out, right? Guys, January is going to be, yeah, you're right. January is going to offer six one in 50 variants and one one in 40 variant, which will be issue four of the eternity. So that's seven high variants, one in 140 and six one in one in fifties. That's going to be $410. If you, if you get them through DCBS, $410 for seven variants. Because in the past, they used to charge 50 bucks for a 1 in 50, and now they're charging more. Yeah. They're charging 60 bucks for a 1 in 50 because yeah. p- 
people are going to pay that. They want that and they'll hold on to it to see if it becomes another unicorn, you know, another book that's worth exactly that's trading on the market. And December and January are already hard months. People are buying holiday presents and attending, you know, holiday parties. And, you know, I want to get my kid the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu action grip. Yeah. You know, right. so trading places. I watched that recently. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Jim talked about this for January. So we've got Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe number one, one in 50, Bob Layton cover. DC at BS wants 60 bucks for it. The Quantum and Woody number two, uh, one in 50, Michael Allred cover for 60. XO 11, one in 50, uh, cover for 60 bucks. Secret Weapons number zero, Adam Polina cover for 60 bucks. Ninjak three, one in 50, Tomos, uh, Tomas Giarello went for 60 bucks. Mm. Sexy art. Sexy oh, art. yeah. Mm. Bloodshot oh, Salvation man. five for 60. Eternity four, um, for 50 bucks. And so, yeah, Jim put all this yeah. in. Our discussions, you know, and at 410 bucks, insane. Yeah. There's no need. Why, why are there so many one in 50 books? I, why is Exo Man of War still producing a one in 50 at, at issue 11? Come on. That's awesome in the sense to where if you can afford cocaine, right? <laughs> and, no, listen to if you can afford How about keeping it cocaine? to a maximum of, of two, two one in 50s a month? Because you're you know thinking I mean? like a regular, regular Joe Smoes like us, right? Who, you know, have regular incomes and have a passion for this. But for investors who have like cocaine habits or other habits that have the money for this, that's nothing to them. I'll drop four ten, and if I double my money, I'll put it online, double or triple my money. I'll wow. sell it to the the little guy objectively i can see that they're doing this to make money subjectively i'll say that that sucks <laughs> and you make a great point jim because you know i think martin and paul talked about this on vcp it was just like martin said you know when a title's coming to an end or when the sales are going low when they eliminate the one in 50s and they go down to the one in 20s only it's just like issue 11, XO Men of War 1 and 20. You, you, you know it, they're, they're about to change pace. For them to keep putting the 1 in 50s, it's sexy from a collector standpoint because you know those 1 in 50s aren't being bought at issue 11, right? You just know there's not a lot of them out there. You're right. But they keep putting them out there. Yeah. They're out there. They're so just if you have the means to buy it, yeah, get them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind if it was maybe a one in twenty, but the one in fifties, man, whew, brutal. I think they're just changing it up on us. We we were down to a system, and we knew we would have to invest money for the first five issues, maybe of a book or a first four, and now they're just changing the the dynamics of their business model as far as ratio vendors are concerned and it's shocking our wallets. What do you guys think about that? I'm just, I'm just thinking about it's 
you know, December and January are just really hard months, you know, with the holidays and travel and, you know, everything else in life. And then, man, just to see them put out that many Mm -hmm. high ratio variants for January, just it is right after Christmas. Yeah, Yeah. it's a a huge impact to the wallet. Yeah. But the thing is, you can get them for 60 bucks pre-ordered. Or if you miss out, because comic shops, you know, they've bulked up for the holidays, too, with their Funko Pops and all that stuff. They're not going to be ordering as many comics to sell on the shelf during those months. And I, I know that for a fact from, you know, being f- friends with retailers. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to order as much because those are the low months. Though You know, they'll come in and buy stuff for their family, but it's, you know, other things. Stocking stuffers. You can't put a comic book in a in a stocking so that's what's hard it's just just disheartening to see that many uh high ratio variants you know while everybody's trying to recoup after the holidays so yeah and did you guys did you guys notice the trend you know a high ratio variant like a one in 50 which we consider a high ratio variant would come out and you try to grab it you may pay 60 bucks or more for you know, on the top end. And then for a while, we noticed like the books would dwindle down to 40, 38 bucks and you could pick them up. Right. So it was like, okay, the demand wasn't there, but now like what's spurring the demand? Like there's no way a XO 11, one in 50 should command a price over 50 bucks in my opinion. Right. I mean, the retailer should be trying to get rid of them. Like who's who wants an XO eleven one in fifty? Right. Well, I I don't necessarily want the one in fifty, but if it comes out, I'm gonna buy the damn thing. <laughs> well, we yeah. have crack problems, so we have problems. That's so right. We know we have problems, so we're like one of those twenty guys yeah. and gals it's... that have these problems. For the completionist or for the the big time EXO fan, they're going to want every single copy and how they display it or keep it in their collection. They want to make sure they have at least one of each. Yeah, these are the people uh, until until people stop buying them or when shops stop uh, start mentioning that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a uh, hundred of those copies sitting on the shelf. They went nowhere. Retailer feedback to the uh, publisher. That's that's what's going to. Uh, I don't know, change this dynamic we have right now. Well, okay, well, my, Bleeding Cool. Point is, go, go ahead, Dwan. I was going to kind of shift mm-hmm, gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Shift gears. So Bleeding Cool every week interviews several comic shops across the country, and they say about you know what book is selling hot and you know selling off their shelves. And there was a comic shop, I believe it was Sailfish on the East Coast, you know, I can't remember what state they're in, maybe mm-hmm. South Carolina. And they You're had right. mentioned I think it was. They had mentioned that Exo is selling better than Amazing Spider Man. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was last wow. week or the week before when they mentioned that in the Bleeding Cool article. And um, Martin talked about it on their last podcast also that he had read that. And I thought that was just amazing that Exo Manowar is outselling Spider-Man at their shop. But also that shop does release a lot of 
um, Valiant variants because mm-hmm. they don't have to order 3,000 of them like you have to do for Marvel. And so maybe mm-hmm. they are pushing their variants a little bit harder and in turn causing more readership. We're not seeing a huge spike in readership, but that's just one comic shop. Imagine, you know, we don't know what most good does. They do a lot of variants also. And, you know, they've got to sell them or else they wouldn't continue to do them. It, it would be yeah. hard for me to believe nationwide that was a trend. Because Spider-Man has been around since... Help me, guys. 1963. 63. And you got the movies. I mean, Spider-Man is just... If you just do it's a name. Yeah, it's a household name. I mean, until Valiant... No, ahead, uh, sorry, Duane, I was just going to mention that Spider Man is a household name until Valiant starts getting their films out. You know, they're, uh, um, the various internet based films as well as the big screen. So hopefully, uh, like XO and Ninjak and, and the, the whole lot will be a household name along. Uh, you know, nobody knew Spawn, who, who was Spawn, until Spawn became a, a major film. And. Now everyone knows who Spawn is. Don't even get me started on the Spawn film that Todd McFarlane was talking about at San Diego Comic-Con with a budget of $10 million. It's going to be a piece of shit. <laughs> we'll see like three images of Spawn from like a mile away with a little red cape flowing because the CGI budget's not there. So I don't, you know, you've got to invest money to make money. And I won't even get started on that road because... Yeah, they were the first uh, of our comic book movies, though. If we want to talk that way, we had Spawn and Blade, and uh, come to think of it, they were the first uh, big comic book movies come on scene, and they were African American uh, characters. Mm-hmm. Never thought about that connection. Very yeah. true, Al Simmons. Yeah, yeah. To to carry this trend on a night on a nationwide or worldwide basis, I mean, for for EXO to take over Spider Man, I mean. And this it's, is one it's shop. A tough climb. You know, this is yes, one shop. One shop. Mm-hmm. And not poo pooing. This is like a big deal for Valiant. Like, listen, this is a big deal. The way you win this, I don't want to say war, the way you gain market share in any business is one shop, one community, one market at a time. So if they're winning over Selfish, you know, Selfish is putting in effort here. Valiant's putting in effort here. And they're getting that message across to their their readers, and the readers are buying it because we all know Valiant books are good. Like, let's not right. We're not yeah. pushing. We're not pushing, and we're not getting paid for any of this. But we're not advocating or doing this podcast to push Valiant books because <laughs> great art, great stories, sh- man. Yeah, yeah, there are great stories. I mean, they have prestige covers, and even when they screw up, they cover it up and they do better like valiant is trying to put out the best of the best of the best that they can and they do and if you slap the image or marvel or dc logo on a valiant book those suckers would sell out the wazoo so let's let's just keep this in perspective there but coming back to the ratio variance it's like I mean, what are, are speculators pushing this market right now? Like uh, the the books are selling for a shitload of money. 
Like, yeah. are speculators driving this market to where we have a mini bubble or mini 90s going on? That's what I want to know. Because it's not like the old two to people like us that are buying them and trying to find a nice deal for 100 or 140 bucks at max. And we can live with that. I mean, these books are pushing really nice values for value books. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it before. You know, if you can find it cheap at your comic shop, if it's on the shelf or whatnot, you know, I mean, Eternity number one, one in 40. You know, I'm going to keep going back to that. Selling at two, I'm sorry, $300 yesterday. I mean, that is. It's, yeah, it seems artificial. It's inflated. It's well beyond what it should have been. I mean, <laughs> it's, it should be a $40 book. But, you know, in the same breath, there is four on eBay right now. Two of them are buy it nows. Well, two of them are 150 bucks with four days left. One has one bid. One has zero bids. One dude is on major drugs. He's trying to sell it for 650 bucks <laughs> or best offer. <laughs> yeah, so, that guy. Yeah. And, and you know what? Good luck, man. I hope yeah. other I hope other people do a little bit more research because you can get <laughs> the other four copies that are on eBay for that much, yeah. you know, combined. So, mm-hmm. yeah. my my advice: wait it out. Some of this, if it, if it seems uh, uh, ridiculous in price, wait it out. But for the for the people who have a copy and they're selling it, trying to make a profit, all the power to them. Good luck. But I, personally, I'm gonna wait it out. It'll I'll I'll come back around in a year. Just like Savage One, mm-hmm. yep. I'll, I'll come back when uh, when numbers have uh, uh, normalized. <laughs> so, talking about waiting it out, what are your, th- you know, um, November eighteenth, we have Ninja K number one coming out, and it's the last metal cover of the year. And Valiant, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of sneaky. We don't know if it's the last metal cover or the last metal cover of the year. Your thoughts? What do you guys think on that? The cover is sexy. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was just looking at it. Man, it is. I, I think it, it is. Even though EXO and Bloodshot, Bloodshot were fantastic metal covers, this one is just amazing with with the throwing stars, the swords. It, I, I love it. The action, just the, the motion to the to the cover is amazing. Um, and I, I think it's not going to go as crazy as EXO. Because people didn't know, people don't know that didn't know the rarity, the availability, how much uh, it would cost. I, I think the Bloodshot, even though I, I, I believe it is a, a less print run, uh, as well as Ninja compared to the EXO. Well, uh, there have only been 16 Bloodshot Salvation number one metal covers sold. Wow! Since it came out, so mm-hmm. 16 have been sold since it came mm-hmm. out. For what? And 399. Would you say uh, about uh, two fifty is the going price, and okay. there are only two available for sale to be picked up on eBay right now. So I mean that right there tells me it's a significantly less print run than the XO one, and I'm sincerely thinking that we're gonna see thirty three percent less of Ninja K one when it comes out on the eighteenth. Mm-hmm. I think that's yep. fair. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you the story is awesome. The art's great. And I agree 
Um, the hype was with XO. It's going down with Bloodshot. And they're taking their top title, XO. There was a Mad Rush form. And I think they overproduced those metal covers, to be honest with you. Which was good marketing. And then Bloodshot Salvation was a little bit under the radar. And Ninja K will be under that, that radar. And the thing that, that excites me is I wonder if the technology is getting better with the metal covers as they come out. Because if, if, you, if you don't have a metal EXO cover, it's basically a metal cover slapped on top of a regular cover. And correct me, guys, if I'm wrong. It's slapped on top of the top cover of a regular EXO book. Am I wrong, guys? Like, no, you're I, right. I, I, I don't know what the cover is underneath, if it's a blank cover, or if it's the cover A, or what. I, um, I'm not going to risk the damage to do that. But, <laughs> you know, seriously. But, we, yeah. but, you know, they might have produced it with a blank cover. That way, there is no transference of ink in 20 years. Because we don't know that type of metal. We don't know. You know, if it's aluminum, is it porous? Can ink transfer? We know nothing about that process. I never opened but, my but, uh, metal. I never opened my metal covers before they were slapped, so I don't know. It's, it's a good point. Might be a question. It's a, uh, it, it's a paper cover, right? Yeah, I or, have flipped it open stock. just enough to feel it, and yes, I mean you can. It feels, but all those covers were prestige covers, so it, it's hard to tell because that cover is thick, and the back cover is thick. So it is one of their prestige covers, but we don't know anything other than that. See, I thought when they brought it out, I thought it was going to be like a coffee table book where the back cover was metal, the front cover was metal, and even the spine was metal. But it, it was just the yeah. top cover, right? And I would tell anybody that wants to sell their book, it comes in a bag with all of the paperwork in it. Don't open it. If you want to sell it for top dollar, take it as it comes and sell it, right? That I think that's how mine came. The book I had, it just – I don't think it was ever taken out the bag, like a Ziploc seal bag. Am I mm -hmm. right? Is that how yours yeah. came? Yep. Nice little uh, uh, bubble wrap-based uh, mm -hmm. Ziploc bag, comic-sized bag. Yeah. And you don't realize how nerve-wracking it was to clean those covers, <laughs> even though they were clean and hadn't been touched, to you know, use some, some nice cotton gloves and roll absorbing on it to clean them, just to double-check and just to make sure that every fingerprint and everything was lifted off the front cover and the back and being cautious on my copy. If it pulled up any of the ink, which it didn't. And then I used it on your copies, but it was fucking nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give them a once over and a, you know, a little bit of love yeah. before putting them in a, my light two with a full backer, and putting the tape on there in a manner to where they could remove it easily so it wouldn't <laughs> stick to the book. Because I don't know who we're dealing with at CGC. I don't know if, you know, it's 18, 19-year-old pimply kids that don't want to work at the <laughs> McDonald's and then are taking a gap year. <laughs> hey, 
how about we do this? How about we call this part Collector's Corner? Let's do this. I Are you guys? My story again. So, so when I went to, oh, you're back. I'm back. Sorry about that. So, hey. we have somebody that would like to join us tonight. So, we'll call this little portion Collector's Corner. And I know you both know who this gentleman is. All right. Let's... Is he gonna pay us our twenty-three cents? No. <laughs> Let me uh, see if I can get him. Recent. If yeah. it is that guy, I want him to know that we are working and we are earning our 23 cents. <laughs> and we need it by Christmas. Because we have ratio variance to buy. Our payoff debts. Payoff <laughs> debts. So let me do Special this. Special star Dino? No. Right. He... <laughs> He's too afraid. But Jim, what I was saying, what I was saying, guys, when you got cut off, though, Justin was like, I told the story before when we were at C2E2 and I had the XO cover, and the Nest was like, "You mind if I take it out and look at it?" And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, "No, I don't want you to fucking touch it. I don't care who you are. <laughs> like, I don't want it to come out the baggie." And I'm like, who's going to tell Dinesh no? Like, all right, Dinesh, yeah, touch it. Just rub it all over your body. Yeah, Eden's offering you some collateral during that. It's like, hey, I picked up a nice uh, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15. Yeah, can (laughs) we we trade? Can we trade? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we'll get back on our topic, but um, I wanted to welcome friend of the show, Somebody I've known for, God, we go back about 12 to 14 years or more, probably 13 years, 14 years, uh, Mr. Brian Wells. I think we all know him. Welcome, Brian. Has has it been that long? Holy shit. (laughs) I think it has, my man. It's been a grip. Well, I can tell you some stories stories about you gripping stuff, but I I won't do that to uh, (laughs) the general population. San Diego Comic-Con? (laughs) <laughs> um yeah we we saw our fair share of a piano recital there i'll say uh, that yeah a piano recital exactly that's right that i will neither confirm nor deny right so dewan you've recently you know um talked with brian and you know purchased some comics from him and i, I i'm sure jim knows brian from the vf website he's better than ezra or bte um, yeah. So, yeah, just thanks for coming on, Brian. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've kind of been, for the last hour, you know, kind of irritated by some of the ratio variants. But so with you here, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's, uh, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into collecting comics and then collecting Valiant okay. comics and uh, like okay. your your Grail item from Valiant. You know, what's the one thing that if there were a fire in your house outside of your wife and kids, what would be the the book that you would grab on your way out? Oh, I got to grab my wife and kids. Ah, oh, shit. Um, Damn it. Well, they've got two hands. They can carry comic exactly. books too. They can grab boxes, man. Short boxes. <laughs> <laughs> or a hand truck. Yeah, um, right. My grail item uh, right now is probably my Harbinger one through four nine eight set that I ha- I have. Um, 
And we're talking VH1. We're talking right? a VH1. Yeah, we're not talking VH2 unless unless we're talking about the uh, about the first Livewire one and twenty or whatever that 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 hot book has been for the last few years. But um, yeah, I've I've got a lot of books. I've got a lot of original art too that I'd probably grab um, some covers, and I don't have a quite the extensive collection that Justin or or Sonic Dan has, but. Uh, <laughs> I think it would take like two two trucks to get Sonic Dan's art out of out of Nebraska, but um, you know, yeah. I digress. Um, let's see. I, I started started getting into comic books at about ten years old, so it was probably about 1984. And um, so yes, I just dated myself. Damn right, I did. Um, <laughs> my first comic book I ever read was Amazing Spider-Man 139, the first appearance of the Grizzly. Uh, with J. Jonah Jameson and the Grizzly uh, kind of got his mitts around him. And it's, uh, it's a book that was – I had forever. I mean it was – the cover was coming off the damn thing. But that was my first comic book that I ever read. And um, my grandma uh, saw that I kind of liked comics. So around 1987 or so, she got me a – a yearly subscription to Amazing Spider-Man. So right before McFarlane took over Amazing Spider-Man, I got a subscription for the next five years. So uh, it kind of got me jump-started. And, of course, we're talking about comic books when we're in junior high and high school. And it's not like it is today, guys. We all know that, where it was. it's kind of cool to, to have comic books. Back then, it was, wow, it was a, a different beast altogether. Yeah, it was it was embarrassing. So, um, but I didn't give a shit. I I took my I took my books with me to school and put them in my locker. And I I, I was like, I don't need to be popular. I don't need girls to like me. Um, so, hey. <laughs> it's all right. I, I married a good one and have been married with her for twenty two years. So uh, I, I I did okay. Um, Heather Heather is awesome. Yes. Well, no question. She's she puts up with a lot. She puts up with me. So, um, <laughs> my first Valiant comic was uh, Magnus One. Actually, um, bought it when it first came out, and I was looking for something different because I was tired of reading Darkhawk and Quasar and the same boring shit that was on the <laughs> shelves for Marvel. I I'll be honest, I never really touched anything DC. Um, that's changed a lot over the years, but because uh, Marvel can't do anything right nowadays in their books, but uh, but at that time it was it was Marvel, 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 and then the death of Superman, and then I was like, okay, I'll I'll touch a DC book, and then uh, yeah, it was, it, but but Valiant was hard to get back then, so uh, you know Magnus one, I I picked up one, three, I think five, and then uh, and then I couldn't find the damn thing until until uh, Unity came out, and then uh, and then it was. From from Unity on, it was it was on, and I was I was hooked, and and I absorbed everything, and and I still couldn't afford those early uh, pre Unity issues, uh, which is probably why, like someone like Justin, myself, and other collectors have been forever have, have hoarded them, and you know have twenty five copies of of a random pre Unity issue that we should not have twenty five copies of, but we do. So yeah, because they were expensive. They were expensive and hard to find, and nobody wanted to part with them. They were all in personal collections, and and when they wanted them, they were they were just damn expensive. So, so from there, I uh, 
you know, was with Valiant through everything. I didn't quit after Chaos Effect, but a lot of people did. Um, even when Acclaim bought the company and, and the stories went to shit, and Ron Mars was basically writing a five-minute toilet read in XO. Um, <laughs> the, it wasn't even a redeeming factor that Bart Sears and, uh, and, and Andy Smith were basically mocking each other's artwork. And uh, they, they were both putting out the same exact looking stuff, and Andy Smith has never been the same. So uh, 67, what, 67 rolled out? Shadow Man 43, and I was like, I wrote a letter to Valiant, wondering what the hell they're doing. Why is, why is Shadow Man falling to his death, and uh, and why is Magnus turned into this? And I got a little package in the mail from Madeline Robbins, uh, the editor, one of the editors, and she said, uh, uh, "We're sorry. Here's a here's a Psylord's gold, and we're sorry." And I was like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> big freaking deal a Psylord's Gold the worst book that I could possibly want from you for free appreciate it um, so yeah that was and then in the letter and I kept the letter uh, it said it said that you know we hope to have Magnus in a, a mini series sometime in the future and I'm thinking wow we just went from 64 issues of Magnus Robot Fighter to we might get a mini series um and little did I know that you know Fabian was taking over as editor in chief, and they were going to relaunch everything as as VH2. And I didn't care if it was shit. I was in both feet, and I had thirteen or fourteen letters printed in those books. So you can was, definitely tell that it, it, I was it getting was, ready to ask how many yeah. you had printed. So it it was it was a lot. Uh, Jeff Gomez would would this was the early days of AOL and stuff by this time. So you know. CompuServe and all those those internet thingies were brand new and uh, I used to get a little email from Jeff Gomez one of the editors at the at the company and he'd go hey I'm missing a letter can you write a letter for me on this book and I'm like sure why not and then it happened to be in the next issue and I'm like sweet so I did burn that bridge with Jeff once when I found out through a casual conversation that Ninjak was ending and with issue 12 and so me and my big mouth decided that i was going to do whatever i could do to save the book and yes i actually like ninjack vh2 so all of you who are laughing at me can suck it i don't care (laughs) 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 because if you read it as anything but ninjack it was a decent book it wasn't ninjack but it was a decent book yeah it was it was Valiance. It was VH2's version of Peter Parker and his friends. Exactly. Danny Kim was Peter Parker, and the drama in it and the and the, and the side characters were worth the read. Period. It it wasn't Ninjak, but it was it was still not a bad read. So, and no, I would not. I own the first page of the very first issue of that book, original art. And I would not take that with me if the fire was going fire. I'm just telling you right that right now. Would it be the penis page? <laughs> oh, that that I would have strapped to my back. So. Yeah, you got to keep that one. You I got to keep that, that one. one. I I actually, there's a funny story about the penis page. When when uh, when when VEI was re putting out that that Ashley Wood uh, Garth Ennis collection that is out on trade paperback right now. I contacted Dinesh and I was like, dude, you got to add the penis page as an extra, you know, in the back of the book. Because hardly anybody's ever seen it, honestly. I mean, we right. all know that. 
Um, and it's infamous in, in our circle, at least. Right. So, uh, I get a hold of Peter Stern and, and Dinesh is like, let's do it. Yes. We're going to add the penis page. And I, I get a hold of, uh, of Stern and I, and I send him high res copies of the damn thing. And, and he, he asked for higher res copies. And I'm like, <laughs> you want me to send you, you want me to gift wrap you a penis apparently. So, right. higher <laughs> res penis. so I send it to him and he's all, that's perfect. All right, we'll, we'll use it. And, and then it never showed up in the, in the trade. And I'm like, what the hell? So I contacted Ash and he's like, oh no, we didn't use it. And I'm like, well, no shit, you didn't use it. Why didn't you use it? Because it's a freaking penis. Uh, you know what we need to do, Brian, to rectify that? <laughs> what we cut. should a director's oh, cut, but the, no. yeah. Well, I was thinking, why don't we make a collecting valiant comics podcast, Dick bookmark, and we can get Garth Ennis to sign it and Ashley Wood, and we can give I can those get out. That done, yeah. I, I know you can get that. Signature. <laughs> we should we we should see about getting him to draw a dick bookmark, and and then in 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 parentheses it says all the jizz to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, I, what didn't make any sense? What didn't make any sense is the book had, you know, it said the f word a dozen times in the damn thing. It was it was. It was for mature readers, and you can't show a dude on a gurney with his dick hanging out. That didn't make any sense to me. That's like a normal <laughs> Friday night for me, you know. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there, but true. <laughs> <laughs> I think wow. I think um, when I get my wife to redo the Collecting Valiant Comics podcast logo for you know our, our year anniversary, I need a high res scan of that, and that'll be in one of the points of the compass i think that after this i'm gonna go put the dick pic as my avatar on the valiant fan site again because i did that for a lot of years ago and people were like no (laughs) um but it's needed again i think to remind people why my signature on my thing says scoot it scoot over i have to get in behind you yes which was from the new york comic-con uh get together when we all yeah that was we, what oh six that was oh six yep yeah. yeah that was that was nuts first time i ever went on a and, and i ever flew across the country or got into an airplane was for that show really? awesome yeah Dude, was, we had so much damn nuts. fun at that show we had way too much damn fun at that show <laughs> <laughs> i did buy i did buy a bloodshot 51 in a dollar bin there got it graded and it came back at nine eight and at the time there were only four of them in the census at nine eight so i considered that a victory that's a win that's a huge win that's a huge win the artwork that we bought from andrew um wendell and some of the other guys there with that has never seen the light of day since those books i still have a lot of that art but Man, yeah. we were getting pages for 10, 15 bucks a piece. It was crazy. Yeah. Are you serious? So, Incredible. Oh, yeah. Covers for, let's see, we got an Andrew, I got a, a Brent Anderson cover of Bloodshot 37 for Dan for 75 bucks there. A cover. It was crazy. Jeez. In San Diego? 
No, New York. No, no, New York, New York Comic Con. Because we we put to, Don Rosas put together a um, a Valiant reunion, and it was similar to the one I did in San Diego the year before. Mm. Um, when I did the Valiant fans website um, panel, and uh, that that had never happened before, so it was it was pretty cool. And John's like, "Man, we need to do one on the East Coast." And so he talked to Mike Caballero, and uh, that crazy hair bastard agreed to do it for uh, Big <laughs> Apple Con. That dude, if I saw him in a, in, a, in an alley by myself, I would freaking turn around and scream like like Macaulay Culkin and run the other way. Uh, Home Alone style. That guy scares the shit out of me. He's that scary? <laughs> He's that scary, dude. I You're think talking about he... the showrunner for the show, yes, not Cavallero. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're, right. you're talking yeah. about Mike Carbonaro is the, the showrunner yes, that was at Penn Plaza about. that year. Yeah. Yeah, that dude is. He's a walking, he's a walking stream of heroin is what he uh, is. Coke, <laughs> Coke and... Asian and hookers it, are his yes, thing. That that is his thing because we did take photos of Asian hooker asses at that show. Um, they they were there, man. They were there. Asian asses well, everywhere. It's not real till we like see them. This is getting the open bar. This is like open bar. Wait, did, now Justin, have you ever told them the Jerry uh, story? Uh, I have from that never. Show? I've oh never told anybody the Jerry <laughs> Manthe from Survivor thing at that show. So, if you may, let me. All right. So, <laughs> Justin's like, I got to get this signature because she was – Jerry Manthe was there, and she was from the first season of Survivor. And uh, yeah. No, second. She was in Australia. No, I think it was the first. No, um, it was second, dude. Okay. Well, <clears throat> e- either way. So, she posed for Playboy earlier in the year. Yes. And so Justin's like, I'm going to get her to sign this Playboy. And, and I didn't think a thing about it. So he goes, he goes, I'm going to get her to write. Thanks for the herpes. Jerry no, it, it was it was or, FBA. What, what exactly was it? FBA. Thanks for the FBA. Okay. Yes. Thanks for the FBA. Uh, Jerry met and she did it. No, the guy from Parker Lewis can't lose. Didn't he talk her out of it? He did because he knew what FBA stood for and she was like, what is it? And I'm like, you know, and I couldn't think of like friends by association (laughs) or something. You know, I couldn't think of that. And and what FBA stands for is full blown AIDS. Yes. Oh, (laughs) damn. Damn. That was pretty hardcore. <laughs> so the guy from Parker Lewis can't lose. Like, if he'd done it right then, she would have done it. But something happened, and you had to walk away or something. And and then when you came back to get it done, she was like, "No, I happily declined." And we were like, "Fudge, man, that would have been awesome." But and she yeah, still that, signed that, one for me. You know, I gave her ten bucks for a cup. It. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, wow. I I have never told anybody that. <laughs> And I didn't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wonder if I'm going to get it. Is, is that going to be on the editing floor now? Yeah, it's going to be redacted. I, I don't. Right. I don't. I think I might, like, cut it out, but put it after the end song. Um, just like an after, after dark. dark. A little, yeah. Yeah. 
The Easter egg. Wow. That's crazy. Hey, man, this is collecting value, man. Anything goes, man. (laughs) (laughs) The last episode was a little like open bar, so. Yeah, I was drunk that night. I was drunk. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Don't be. What is your drink of choice, then? Uh, I, I am drinking uh, a fine brewery of Laguanitas. Okay. Of Chicago, in yeah, California. Yeah. I'm drinking the brown sugar, which is a 10% ale, and a little something extra, which is a 8.7. So my wife is working nights. So I can do whatever the fuck I want. To do. <laughs> and obviously you do. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As long as you put the baby oil away before she gets home, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just clarifying. Got... So the piano recital ends at three. Good to know. Exactly. But it's a personal piano recital. Yes. Okay. No, 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 no. I don't sit where I eat. I gotta, I gotta go other places. God, I hope. Not. I mean, if you shit where you eat, then that's a special kind of girl. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not well, there. Well, they are in Ohio, Jim and Dewan, so a Cleveland steamer is not out of the question. Oh, that's true. They pop their teeth out for that shit. That's right. <laughs> and this is open bars. This is not collecting Valiant. This is open bars. <laughs> we can we can go full circle back to Valiant. What do you want to know? I'm kidding. Um, no, Brian, Brian, let, let me tell you, like, all seriousness. Like, this is so funny. But we were talking about, have you noticed the Valiant variants really going for an exorbitant amount of money? Like, one in 20s, one in 25s, one in 40s? Well, yeah, the, I mean, just recently this week, what, Harbinger, the Harbinger Zero, one in 25 is selling for over 50 bucks on eBay right now. It's like... It's crazy, it, and Midtown still had them as of a few days ago. The only one that was sold out ahead of time was the Del Torre um, variant, which was a, a, an order-all cover, so it's really weird. Yeah. And then the yeah, Eternity we... one, obviously. Mm-hmm. The Eternity mm-hmm. 1 in 40 is, is gone apeshit, but um, I see that one coming back down to earth pretty quickly uh, in the next couple months. I mean, it'll do what Savage did. It'll It'll... It'll get hot, and then everyone will be like, nobody wants it for 150 So they're out there. Well, the sucker was going for, like, over 200 and that's what yeah. we were saying. Like, yeah. You know, and I think Jim said it the best before you got on. It was the normal uh, the, the normal progression of the variance was you get a book that comes out, and it would set the high bar, and then everybody would flood the market with a book trying to get that price point for it and then you'd settle in to what the 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 normal range was but now all these books like people are like throwing old books out there yeah like harbinger three and selling it for 150 for a 1 to 20 variant like what the hell i mean what's going on like we know there's not a lot of oh what's that sorry what was what wheelie's <laughs> oh, did you guys I hear don't that? know who that is? Yeah, yeah, I heard. Okay, <laughs> that was a, some that was some dude with a really small penis uh, showing off out in front of my house. So, <laughs> guys, with small penises need love too. So. Well, there's a lot of those in Ohio, right? I mean, 
Yeah, well, no, we got some big dick dudes here. In Ohio, okay, you know. all right. <laughs> it's that's right. It's, the small penis ones are in Texas. That's right, because they all have big there trucks. You there you go. Yeah, you know, that's they got big trucks and big guns. <laughs> they gotta compensate something. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, I mean, to me, Harbinger Three is a is a that's an anom- it's not an anomaly. It's just um, there's a lot of them out there. I mean, it was early on in the run, and the print run was pretty good on that book, honestly, for a for a new company, but. Because it's the first live wire, I mean that's why that book is they're out there. There's in personal collections. Yeah, there's over eight hundred copies out yeah, there. Yeah. Exactly. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That book should be no more than a hundred. I a hundred percent agree. I a hundred percent agree. But it's not. And that's what's weird about it is and then then you look at uh you know, one in 100 variants for, you know, 4,001 and you can't even give them away for 10 bucks. It's like, what's, is it because of, is it because the, the, it was massively ordered and, and, and this or that, but I mean, for 10 bucks, you can't even give away a 110 variant. That's just, there's a lot of discrepancies between these ratio variants. Well, it's like the XO one and 500, you know, some True. of those like books that are the they, Valiant wanted those books to go out. So oh, no question. Oh, yeah. You know, so so I can understand the Harbinger book in a sense, but it's a one in 20. And in the artwork, he's, it's not even that good. Like the first Livewire appearance, it's not even good artwork. It's just Inside or the cover? Inside. It's not good. To well, me, well, it was The artwork good. is amazing in XO1. The cover so? is. Yeah. The one in twenty cover by Patrick Zercher is an awesome cover, but not but the, the artwork interior. inside by Carrie no. Evans is is less than stellar in my opinion. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And and Josh has, you know, Dice Art and me have had conversations about him never really getting the interior artist that he feels was worthy of his writing, mm. um, and. He didn't say names, but obviously, you know, Evans was the one that did most of the artwork for his Harbinger run. So um, I think he was clearly saying that after seeing the the type of artists that they have on their books now, you know, with Lewis and and Miko and he can't get a quality artist on his books uh, uh, really frustrated him. So that's that's a story from another day, I guess. No, he should be because I, you know, I've argued with people in, our, in some of our chat rooms, and that art is not good. It's no, not it's good. rushed. It's rushed. It's it's not inked well. It's it's competent, but it's not it's not something you open up and go, wow, like some of the other books that Valiant had on their shelves at that time. You know, I mean. Carrie Nord stuff on EXO was just unbelievable, and then you open up Harbinger, and you're like, "Good thing the writing's so damn good." So, because right. the mouths look like assholes. Let's keep it real. I mean, it, it looked terrible. It just wasn't as it was not highest quality as all the other books that they were putting out at the time. Sad but true. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's one reason why. They didn't pay Carrie a lot compared to the other artists. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, did you know who Carrie Evans was before Harbinger? Nope. Nope. I never did. Nope. So 
So, I mean, even Trevor Harrison, which has a very similar style to carry, um, is a much more accomplished artist than he is, in my opinion. So, and that's why Trevor still is working for Valiant and, and Evans is not. Yeah. And Trevor's stuff is not that bad. Like I can, I can tolerate his stuff. It's not, it's not bad at all to me. Well, and I think he gets a lot of help from the inker on design. I agree. I agree. And that's Ryan Wynn. Ryan Wynn is very, very good. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen some of the pencils that Trevor does. And the inks really help. They really do. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you look at the finished book, it looks great. But, you know, an inker, they really do help a lot in a book. They can hurt and they can help. I mean, look at the case of there's a reason why someone like Jim Calafuri absolutely hates Bob Layton. And as a person, because if you look <laughs> at Jim Calafuri's work on Armorines, it looks how style inked because that's how Valiant did it back then in the 90s was everything was how inks inked house style. So all the all the straight corners and stuff that were very tight on Jim's pencils were all taken out and all curved. And so it looked like Jim was like an average penciler. And then, and then when you saw his stuff on Armorine's version two, and he had upon the audio uh, inking him, it looked completely different. And it was like, wow, where did this guy come from? Right. It was, it didn't even look like the same artist. You know, you still there, Jim? Oh. You've been quiet. I've been hanging back, guys. I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I wanted to ask you guys? You know, we talked about this in some of our chats. Uh, we, we we need to talk about the Secret Weapons 22. Did we talk about this in the last episode? I wanted to bring that up, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we need to talk about this. So, so Brian, you've been around yes. a while. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Chris Gould and Secret Weapons 22. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, Chris Gould. Um, better known on the boards as KC Collectibles. Um, this young man, or old man, uh, has pretty much at these days fallen off the face of the earth. Nobody knows where he is, who he is, if he's alive, is he dead? Uh, we don't know. Uh, he lived in the state of New York, not New York's, not, not New York City, but the state of New York. Um, he wanted to put together this... Secret Weapons 22, because he had all the color artwork to it. Uh, an unpublished page, uh, unpublished issue of, of, of this. He didn't have the inks. He had all the colors for it. So he contacted Jesse... Uh, Berdinka? Berdinka, and found out that uh, Berdinka still had a script for that issue where we could actually lay words where they were supposed to on these pages. So I don't, it was never printed like you saw on the eBay listing. It was always done in a PDF file at that time or a JPEG file or something to that effect. So somebody printed these printed that out and sold it as an official issue or something like that, the lost issue. But um, that was something that was a fan project that, was made into a real issue and that dude, whoever he was made a lot of freaking money on that issue on that, uh, on that listing. That's for sure. 
There's yeah, one currently going for 360, and it's see that's tomorrow. ridiculous. Yeah, for a PDF, <laughs> and they're CGC. <laughs> they're actually CGCing these. How, how, what? how really? can they? How can yeah. you do that? It's not an official book. Exactly. A, that's what I can't bootleg. figure out. It's fake. Yeah. It's... But then you can get your you can get a VIP Ashcan uh, CGC. So I guess it could happen. Well, that was something uh-huh. you could get at the 2000, was it 7 San Diego Comic-Con? San Diego Con, yes. Yeah, that I found. Uh, Graham Cracker um, Comics was selling that um, at yeah. their booth. And I bought the first one, and I called Dinesh right away and was like, you need to get your ass out of your hotel room and get over here right now. Well, what Ooh. is it, he said. I said, you need to get your ass out of your hotel room and come out here right now. <laughs> So then he took it from me and went right to his lawyer, and then the fight was on. So uh, wow. with that thing, so that was that was weird, dude. And, and, and go what, ahead. What was that Ashcan? If you can explain it uh, further, it might be um, some... What it was was um, at the time the, the 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 trademarks for the characters were um, not filed completely and done correctly through the proper channels of the uh of the united states um copyright uh situation so what this 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 company which is basically we found out later is dynamite um put out this little ash can hired ashley um, i mean jay lee to do all this artwork it is jay lee artwork in it wow and all these designs and they just stuck whatever the freaking name they wanted to on top of it and they published this little ash can called the vip valiant intellectual properties um ash can sneak peek sneak peek and they spelled peek wrong (laughs) on the damn front of it yes they did (laughs) um which is hilarious but it was spelled correctly on the insignia on the inside page but uh how do you freaking mess that up i don't know but um so, like, there was a character that looked like the crow yes. for Eternal Warrior, and there was, yes. like, a vampire for Harbinger, and there was... So, Some they were trying to take with, the... Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to take the bad. name and just stick it with any random sketch that they could yes. to Damn. get the trademark names. Because it wasn't about the the image, it was about the name. Um they, that's what they wanted. They wanted the name, uh, and then they could do whatever the hell they wanted as long as, as long as that went through. And I guess because I purchased this at the Comic Con, it it became something that could be considered legal. And so Dinesh was like, later on, he goes, you know, because you purchased it and I took it from you, that could have been potentially all they needed to get the characters' names. Whoa. And I'm like, well, it's a good thing you have better lawyers than uh, <laughs> than they do. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I I still have scans of all those. I actually have two of the I have two of the ash cans left, and one is first signed by Jay Lee. That's how I knew for sure it was him that did it. So, yeah, you um, just got that signed this la- within the last year, haven't um, you? Within the last year and a half, yeah. At the Long Beach Comic Con, he was a, a special guest, and I'm like, for shits and giggles, I'm going to bring this damn thing with me. And then I hand it to him, and he goes, holy shit, yeah, that's mine. And I go, <laughs> cool, sign it. <laughs> and so they paid him – oh, shit, he doesn't even remember. But he does own the original art to all that still. So um, 
I was like, that would that would be pretty cool if you ever want to get rid of it. And he goes, well, if I get rid of it, I'll let you know. So, um, mm-hmm. just just for just for the history of what it stands for, because to me it's a it's an important step uh, between them um, printing again five years later, uh, you know, and them getting getting uh, getting Jim Shooter on board and then losing Jim Shooter after he called them little kids and uh and all that stuff so and then they they were trying to sue him and they couldn't and couldn't find his ass and all that oh there's there's a lot of stories that are unbelievable (laughs) look at how much your beard has grown justin holy crap dude i trimmed it recently did you find any cheetos in there or anything Nah, just a bird a bird (laughs) (laughs) the bird 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 Dude, I totally forgot about that story from New York Comic Con. Thank you for bringing it up. That was fucking awesome. Which one, the Jerry story? Yeah. Or, or are we talking about when we were going to the Rite Aid to buy gauze for your, for your, your nutsack? Since you were getting, you got pierced that weekend. Dude, again, nobody <laughs> knows that. <coughs> Good. Good. This has like been an educational session. Yeah, Brian and I go way back. So <clears throat> we go back a Brian, few years, yeah. 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 Couple of stories. Brian, thanks for helping me out on those books. I mean Yeah, you're welcome. They're still expensive on the eBay. The ones that are on there, it's ridiculous. I'm like, wow. And they're dented up. Like, the one that's out there, and I, I'm not <clears throat> going to call out a seller, but the one that's out there. No, you can call out that seller. It's dented up like hell. Yeah, it is dented up. <laughs> it's, it's bad. We try, I mean, to, the we ones, try to be the ones nice you got, here. Well, the ones you got are nice. So, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, very, uh, they're, very sexy. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like... They're like Kate Upton sexy, I know. Yeah, I saw a lot of <laughs> I saw a lot of areolas on it when I got when I opened up the box. I'm like, God damn. Well, I throw those in for just the special buyers. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> I like my areolas nice and round. And yeah, dude. We all do. Yeah. Bologna. Bologna. <laughs> wow, that's all right. That's a little too big, but okay. I'm well, more we, like we get... I'm more like the Mountain Mike's pepperoni size, but um, okay, you know, we can do miniature. Well, you so you know when you cook bologna, it shrivels. <laughs> you cook bologna? Yeah, man. I'm a. I've never. I have never. Know. Okay, well, I've never cooked bologna because to me, bologna is the meat that I got when I got in trouble. So, oh man, you cut you a sliver, a four slivers in it, and you fry it so it shrinks up. It's so good, fried bologna, man. And you do bologna. you cut you cut and oh. from north to south, east to west in it, so that yes. way and it flaps open like oh my god a, a mollusk in the ocean when it's cooking, yes. mm. and then you put it on bread with mayo, and that's it. Mm. It must be a California thing where we just we look at bologna as. It's it's like a third world country for us. So no no, put your bologna, and you fry it, and I don't do mayonnaise. I put the cheese and the bread. Mm. Fry bologna. You gotta try it, Brian. Don't knock it till you try it. 
Right, well, and, I won't knock it until I try. I promise you, I will try it. There you go. And dude, and I always had it with grape Kool Aid. So, oh, you went like, straight hood. Like like <laughs> like Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> yeah. No, not. Oh, he, maybe maybe he did it with the syrup. <laughs> I mean, you straight up Jamarcus Russell well that syrup. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't say orange drink, you know, <clears throat> orange drink, but no, man. <laughs> it was always wow. great Kool-Aid, man. I've even great had Kool-Aid? fried bologna at what, like within the last four, three or four years. So, yeah, the thing about it, man, you could never take back in the day government cheese like government cheese came in the Velveeta block. Yes. It, it, if you didn't cut it razor thin. Like that cheese would never melt. Like the bread and the bologna would burn before the cheese would melt. I don't know what. So that's the kind that McDonald's uses then. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, their ice cream doesn't melt. Their cheese doesn't melt. Preservatives. Just preservatives, man. (laughs) Oh, so what else we need to talk about on the. uh... Episode 8 of Collecting Valiant with our esteemed special guest. Well, before we get too far, and I can put this at the end of our conversation, you know, I just, you know, if we have guests again, I just don't want to forget. How can people find you, Brian? Um, well, if you live out in California, I. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> you can you can find me on the Valiant boards, obviously, uh, under my name, Better Than Ezra, or BTE. Uh, I have, you know, a few posts on there, like 11,835 or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> a few. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not really on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram. Um, so you can find me by just putting in... Shadow Sip, which is Shadow S-I-P on Twitter. And what Shadow Sip stands for and what it's all – where that originated from, because I've had that since AOL days, is Shadow for Shadow Man and S-I-P is Strangers in Paradise, which is an outstanding book that came out in the 90s and 2000s from Terry Moore. Yep. So Ooh. I mashed them together and created Shadow Sip, and I know that nobody – any new social media things that come up, I put in Shadow Sip, nobody's going to have taken it. So I never had to worry about Shadow Sip 1, 2, 3, or 0, 0, 5, or, you know, it was always available. So I stuck with it, and that's how uh, that, that's how to get a hold of me. So, uh, And if you're out here in California, I'm set up at shows, comic book shows with my books uh, as a dealer at about 26 to 28 shows a year, so... If you're looking for any Valiant books, I'm the only dealer who's going to have them out here at shows, mm. in Northern California at least. And also, do you have any news about the coming year that you would like to share? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I finally get to go into my boss's office uh, later or early next year and give him the middle finger salute mm. and tell him to uh, – to Find somebody else to crawl under houses and in attics. And I'm opening up my own comic book shop in Turlock, California, Northern California, early next year. Um, so after 22 years of crawling under houses and in attics, I'm going to quit and do what 
I'm good at, and that is sell comic books. So <clears throat> I'm ready. It's going to be called the show. The shop will be called Comic Web, and we're going to rock because we're going to give customers the Disney uh, customer service experience from the very first day. And let's face it, when we go into a shop, the first the first thing that you notice is is the owner a dick or not. So. <laughs> That's one reason why people don't go back to shops or they go back to shop because they're treated right. And so mm-hmm. we're not going to have that ever be an issue. We are going to do it correctly the first the first time. And that's why um, we're going to rock as a shop and we're going to do awesome. Awesome, man. Congratulations. It's been a long time coming. So Excellent. Long time coming. And, and the plan is to have our first ever exclusive, store exclusive, be a Shadowman book. From issue one so when we get closer obviously you guys will know about it and justin will know about it and uh we're excited just like you guys have done your guys exclusive with bloodshot salvation we're give it uh, a whiz and a whirl with uh the shadow man book and that'll be our first exclusive and we will buy that shit from you damn right you will Yes, we will. <laughs> we will buy that shit. And it'll be uh, an artist doing the cover. Uh, it will not be a cover that they have in their uh, email that you get to pick and choose which it will be. I'm commissioning oh. a specific artist to do a cover, and this guy is amazing. And you will see other Valiant covers in the future from him after this. So. Um, Warren really, Warren really loves this guy's work. And so he's dark, he's moody, um, and it's going to work out great. So are you serious? uh, Yes. Dead serious. So you're going to have like a special ratio variant for it or is it, it (laughs) can you Uh, say that right now? Cannot say that right now. I don't know. No, it won't be, it it will have a print run of probably four to 500, but, uh, beyond that, no, it'll be, uh, It'll just be an exclusive store variant. So, um, did you guys notice real quick? Did you guys notice the uh, Del Toro variant for Harbinger Zero had a had a, a yearly date on it of 2012? Did it really? The new one? Yeah, like it was a cover that they've had forever in their inventory, <laughs> and they finally used it. Well, we talked about this our last episode about them putting out shit like two or three years later. And how it was BS, right? Did we talk? Did we talk about this? It sure does. It does have a where he signed it. Yep. Below his R, it does have twelve. So they've had this in the, in their inventory for that long. That's crazy. That is crazy. It it it, it almost doesn't even make sense. You know, and there were covers that were solicited and for um, Ninja K that have been in the inventory yeah. since 2014 and 15. You know, one comes to mind, um, Brit Peoples, he drew it and it still has never seen the light of day. There's a Jim Calafuri cover also that has never seen the light of day for EXO. So, EXO 25. Um... Uh, no, this is a uh, yes. I believe that is it's a it's a splatter cover, uh, splattered paint cover. Um, I don't even think it's the one you're thinking of. It's a it's very different from that. Yeah, because 
I think I have an image of it from when we did a variant for 25. Okay. Yeah, it just never got used or never picked, so... Yeah. Um, but it, it, what shocked me is Del Torre is one of the most sought-after artists for covers uh, in the last 10 years, and here Valiant's had this one sitting in their inventories for five years, and now they decide to use it? I mean... And, and they use make it, it for a, a cover B. As an order-all, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> It's like a Delato cover that would be a cover A or B. It's not a you know a ratio variant. This this cover Correct. is amazing, and they're it's using amazing. it as a standard cover. Yeah. Well, look and at the Harbinger. And it was the only cover that sold out at Midtown first of of Harbinger Zero on Midtown's website. Well, there are so many people that collect Robert Delatora. Yes. They're going after it, and we're not just talking Valiant fans. We're talking comic speculators and collectors correct 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 i'd love to see an art germ uh valiant variant though that would be that would be cool yes this harbinger right. zero one to 25 looks like a, a concept cover because you could look at uh did Harry evans do it because it looks really amateurish to me it does look amateurish and look at uh old girl's girlfriend she has like a buzz cut Oh, Chris? She does, yeah, she, she has a her girlfriend has a buzz cut. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have a buzz cut in the story at all. Well, it's not but quite I, as bad as Bob Layton's, uh, you know, troll-looking face. So, um, on that one cover he did. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think Bob dropped a little acid that day. So. This, this whole cover looks bad. I mean, it really does look bad. Yeah, to be a one in twenty-five, it's not impressive. Yeah, it looks. It, it almost looks like high school. I don't want to say high school art class. It, it looks like concept of college art. It just doesn't look it, good. It's, it's I mean, not but polished. We, it's not finished. But yeah. But would good. anybody have faulted them to put the Del Torre cover as the one on 25? I mean, I think it would have gone even crazier. Yeah, I, it would have gone even higher than what it's currently going for. Yeah. Correct. You put a guy on that, on that cover. But again, 2012 on the date is really like eye-opening to me. That was the first thing I noticed on it was like, huh. Just surprising. Even Torque Torque looks like a fifty-five-year-old trucker. <laughs> I mean, he does. Like the guy that is a fifty-five-year-old trucker in good shape. Look at him. I mean, it, just, it doesn't look good. Was, and I'm not shitting on Valiant. It just it, it, so that it, was kind of an I was kind of an oxymoron. You said a fifty-five-year-old trucker in good shape. I think they those exist. <laughs> yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> they're, they're new truckers. They're new truckers. He just started, you know, bodybuilder okay. trying to change professions. Right? John know? Cena decided he was going to yeah, do trucks now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't look good at all. Well, guys, we've been uh -huh. recording for over two hours. Holy yes! God. I love you guys. <laughs> love you too, Duan. <laughs> 
and tomorrow's my wife and I's anniversary, so I would wouldn't mind getting off here and start spending a little bit of time with her since I got to leave for Vegas on Monday. So, oh, humba, humba. Okay, how many years? <laughs> how many years, Justin? How many years? Um, actually married four. Nice. Yep. So, congratulations, but, but happily brother. married. Yes. Four plus, yeah. <laughs> You've met her, Brian. I mean, uh, oh yes. How can you do anything but love that woman? Yeah. So she's, I mean, uh, she's awesome. Yep. So with comics, she totally gets it. So she's got a smile that uh, is infectious, and uh, she no, she's 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 one of a kind. That's for sure. You're a very lucky man. Yeah, Jim's met her on a, an occasion or two, and oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, congratulations. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, I can let you guys talk if you want, or we can call it a night. Let's call it a night. I got to do open bar tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. We haven't even had dinner. We 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 haven't had dinner yet over here. Oh. Yeah, we're getting ready to have. Uh, we made dinner Tuesday night, and we have yet to enjoy it. Because we've been working like 55 to 60 hours this week, you know, this last week. And then we had like a birthday for my sister-in-law last night. And then Thursday night, we both didn't get home until almost nine. And so I just got like a sub on the way home. We were like, screw it. So we're actually going to have dinner from Tuesday or Wednesday tonight. So, and it was a uh, homemade carnitas. So nice. Yeah. Enjoy my brother. Right on. Well, uh-huh. gentlemen, thank you so very much, Brian, for joining us. And, uh, Absolutely. Pleasure. And to my immortal brothers, I love you all, and have a wonderful night. You're here. All right. Thank Brian. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Dewan, <laughs> you're not going to make it to open bar, homie. <laughs> no, I'm drunk. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm, done. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's open bars for, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. You're going to be Take snoring care, in this episode, too. Yeah, Boring. All right. See you guys. All see right. See you guys. Yeah. <laughs>